Hey folks, uh, welcome to another edition of the Mental Health Podcast. Uh, I have Christopher here with me and uh, I'm excited uh, for all the things that he has to say today. Hey Christopher, uh, how are things with you? Hi Sanjay, it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Um, yeah, uh, glad that you're here. Um, so, so the first thing that uh, I uh, like people to do is uh, give themselves an elevator pitch and uh, tell people uh, about themselves. Um, so here you go. The floor is all yours. Sure. My name is Christopher Lee. I am uh, based in San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. I'm an author at Pact Publishing. I'm writing a book on user stories. Mm -hmm. It's called The Art of Crafting User Stories, and it will be publishing in August. Mm -hmm. And I have a chapter on mental health in my book. And I'm a former Ernst & Young technology consulting Mm -hmm. employee where I served on our accessibilities committee for Mm -hmm. my group, Delivery Excellence. Okay. Which also included a component of mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. By the way, um, I am starting a new position as a product owner coach at mm-hmm. Barry Dunn, which is a consulting firm. Okay. Next Monday. Wow. Seems like uh, you have a lot going on. Congrats on the book and the new role. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, And uh, I heard you mention mental health a lot as part of your initial intro as well. So can, can you talk a little bit about your own sort of personal mental health journey, uh, where you are and, uh, uh, you know, how you sort of got started with it? Yes, I think I'm still at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I am neurodivergent. I discovered this Um that I had, I have ADHD and autism. Mm -hmm. I also have insomnia, which um, you could say is in remission, Mm -hmm. but could be reactivated probably. Mm -hmm. Um, So my journey started um, with, um cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for myself but then i also discovered cognitive behavioral therapy insomnia mm-hmm. there are specialists for that mm-hmm. and that helped me improve my insomnia significantly mm-hmm. and uh through a neuropsychological evaluation you can figure out mm-hmm. what diagnoses that you have yes you're right we are more than our diagnoses but Mm -hmm. i think the first step is to find out what you have before Mm -hmm. you can understand where to go so Mm -hmm. 
I have a executive coach who's on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. She used to work at the autism center in New York a long mm-hmm. time of New York a long time ago. Mm-hmm. She um has been helping me with my autism. Okay. Um interesting. Um Eighty. Okay, head. Uh no, uh finish your thought. <laughs> ADHD, I have um a therapist uh with Lyra Health, which a lot of the big tech employers use. Mhm. And um Lyra Health is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to use BetterHelp, which is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast is not sponsored, and I'm not paid by either of those providers. Just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> put that out there. And then um, with, I think, uh, autism, there's also a lot of unhelpful providers and things that hurt. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there are the more traditional methods. Um, you should try to find a provider that understands your needs mm-hmm. and thinks more systemically about how the system needs to adapt mm-hmm. to accommodate your needs rather than the other way around. Of course, we all need to adapt, mm-hmm. um, whether you're neurotypical or neurodivergent, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the provider should not be implying that something is wrong with you is what right. I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, unless of course there's something really wrong with you, like you're a sociopath or a psychopath. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's probably frowned upon by society. Right. Um, I, 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 you know, wanted to touch upon a few things, right? I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of, uh, uh, very important things that uh, people want to notice. Um, when you say new di- neurodivergent, wh- what does that mean to you? Um, uh, you know, I I know a lot of people don't understand what that means, so I just wanted to hear your perspective on it. So, the your brain is uh, wired differently than most people, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's not the way you think and the way you behave may not be considered what is norm mm-hmm. by society. It may deviate off mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to take a eval in order to determine whether that is the case or not. But that's mm-hmm. basically my understanding um okay diverges from the normal mm-hmm. um pathway but that doesn't mean there's an issue with you you probably have many gifts and talents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah so that's yeah yeah thank you for uh sharing that and you know i think the the uh most difficult part that i observe is uh Accepting that being uh, neurodivergent um, isn't a fault of your own. I think uh, that's the hardest part to do. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I uh, definitely liked uh, the way you put it, uh, you know, in terms of having your brain wired differently and uh, having gifts associated with it um, uh, definitely helps. 
um you also mentioned in terms of like uh, providers um you know are doing certain assessments uh, can you uh, talk a little bit about um you know uh, what are some of the uh, uh, misnomers or like what are some of the misconceptions that you have sort of encountered um you know uh, in terms of getting access to you know uh, from these providers as well so I think access is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Finding a good neuropsychologist is very hard. Mm -hmm. And then also the cost can be prohibitive for some with health insurance plans that may not be as good. Mm -hmm. And the provider themselves may not be willing to help and support and they have probably other agendas in mind. Mm -hmm. And yep. that's those are some of the huge challenges, roadblocks that you might encounter mm -hmm. along your journey or your path. So yeah, um, sort of the, the issue. And even if you um, believe yourself to be you know, having no issues, you might actually find an issue um, mm -hmm. in the eval. You you don't know. Um, right. It's better to check. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, thank you for sharing that as well. I I know of a lot of people who got diagnosed with ADHD longer or later than they should have been, and. Uh, Yes, uh, you know, doing um, an evaluation would be a great way to understand yourself uh, better. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about the evaluation process itself? Uh, how did you sort of figure out that uh, you needed to do an evaluation? What was that process like? And, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, and uh, you know, what are some things that uh, people can sort of figure out earlier that uh, will help them to sort of uh, approach this faster as well so <laughs> yeah I think I was not diagnosed properly earlier um a real neuropsychological evaluation mm -hmm. takes many many hours to complete there are many forms tests it cannot be done in a one session meeting mm -hmm. with, which is what I think one time had happened a long time ago and then i was told oh i don't have adhd mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. requires many hours many days of of sessions mm -hmm. so that's how you know that's the real evaluation mm -hmm. i had to go through my health insurance provider and do a search mm -hmm. um you really have to do your due diligence and look at the reviews of the neuropsychologist mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is providing the exam mm -hmm. they may have poor reviews they may be under disciplinary action those are mm -hmm. red flags that you should look for another provider mm -hmm. unfortunately these providers are very in demand uh during and post-covid mm -hmm. so there's a shortage and we need more of these we need more talented neuropsychologists on the market mm -hmm. and we need them to also care 
interesting yeah th- thank you for uh, sharing that and uh, bringing awareness around uh, uh, people looking for uh, potential partners through which uh, they can uh, get this evaluation done um i know it is uh, a struggle to first of all understand that you have um problems and you know to dealing with um, uh, the process and doing the diligence process yourself um can't be easy um you know I, I, the other thing that sort of comes up uh, you know as part of like um uh, being neurodivergent you know how you know how do you think you know people can uh, be allies to you know neuro neurodivergent people i mean like what is your experience been and like you know what advice would you sort of give people as well so uh trying to understand people's requests for accommodations for example mm-hmm. some employees might need uh written transcripts of meetings or closed captioning making mm-hmm. that available mm-hmm. so that the conversation is easy to follow along mm-hmm. um some employees might need neurodiversity di- coaches mm-hmm. and you shouldn't need to be part of a neurodiversity center mm-hmm. in order to qualify to have access to those coaches mm-hmm those are just a couple of examples that are important and critical accommodations for your employees that um, are neurodivergent. Interesting. Um, I, I know, you know, you, you did uh, talk a little bit about working with a coach and, you know, a lot of people don't understand what that means. Like, can you like talk about like your own sort of discovery process? How do you go about finding such people in you know, where, uh, you know, uh, how has your experience been along with it as well? So, Unfortunately, my former employer did not accommodate my request for a neurodiversity coach mm-hmm. internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to pay out of pocket on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had already had this coach for many years. Okay. Um. I found her through a job search workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, there are neurodiversity coaches, um, you know, ADHD coaches. There are directories mm-hmm. online that you can find and look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are also mental health coaches as well. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to sort of do research um, for for those types of um, scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are not easy to find, honestly. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would, yeah, so that, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Thank you for uh sharing that, and uh, you know that's an interesting approach of uh, finding coaches through uh, a job workshop. Um. You know that that can hopefully you know uh, give people some pointers in um, 
understanding uh, what are some of the alternatives and uh, the other aspect that you brought up was uh, employers are still not uh, uh, providing that exemption of uh, needing assistance or you know providing that service where people can uh, uh, pay uh, uh, you know using employee policy or employer um, based guidelines but having to pay out of pocket as well um you know um one other uh, thing that uh, i sort of uh, wanted to bring about was like uh, you know the, the the platforms that are there today um so uh, for you know um uh, for the coaches so um, are you uh, have you transitioned into you know using these telehealth based platforms do you prefer being in person what has your sort of experience been you know around around all of this yes i i prefer in person but um you know my experience is that telehealth can be just as effective but for everything else i would not recommend if it's a professional service i think it's fine if it's like hiring Mm-hmm. a CPA or an attorney or a therapist mm-hmm. but for everything else i think you have to have it in person mm-hmm. but for like therapy um coaching i think you can do it online okay. it's it's nice if you meet in person at least once mm-hmm. especially if they're local but i don't think it actually um makes a difference um because I've done it both ways with the same provider. Okay. And it's about it's about the same um coaching in person versus online. Mm-hmm. That's the only place where I'm fine with doing it remote. Everything else I I prefer I really prefer in person, but mm-hmm. um that's also not practical with coaching sometimes. I've used um Lyra Health, Better mm-hmm. Help. Mm-hmm uh shimmer mm-hmm. for coaching mm-hmm. i tried adhdcoaches.net i think but i couldn't find a coach on there that was for my needs so mm-hmm. that's basically the issue okay uh yeah i mean like thank you for uh, mentioning adhd.net and uh I think that's help. the website. I don't even remember. That's why I hesitate <laughs> there. I don't remember the exact URL. Um, uh, yeah, let me locate that and uh, I'll uh, put put it out as part of the description of the of the podcast. Um, you know, uh, the 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 last thing was like I know somebody else mentioned this as well. Like, um, one thing that with the avenge of sort of telehealth, um, people have sort of reduced uh, the amount of time it takes to commute, you know, back and forth. And even if you are local, right, I think uh, that sort of um, uh, reduces the amount of time for you to uh, get access to somebody. Yeah. And so I, I just wanted uh, to understand. So uh, with this sort of avenge of telehealth, I mean, like, do you see people going back into uh into into their therapist's offices um uh, I, I was just wondering so yeah 
I mean, I was using telehealth and uh and co coaching uh remote coaching before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter to me if I can really do either. Um, I have the option to come in for my therapist or my psychiatrist. Well, for my coach, she lives in New Jersey, so that's no longer an option. But it used to be an option when I was living in New York City to meet in. But she only meets in Manhattan. She won't come to Brooklyn. I never lived in Brooklyn. My office is in Brooklyn. So there's a limitation and restriction. You have to go to, they can only meet you in a certain geographic area. It takes time to get there. Sometimes even the people who are in person are not very effective. I noticed. So in my opinion, if it's therapy, psychiatry, I've done both in person and remote mm -hmm. i think you can just do it remotely i don't mm -hmm. think it makes a difference it's nice to meet them once mm -hmm. um that's about it but okay. even that you don't have to actually do it's just <laughs> as effective okay but if you're talking about like learning social intelligence mm -hmm. learning public speaking mm -hmm. it's better to do those in person honestly speaking okay. yeah that yeah. from my experience i've done both remote in person, those things, it's better to learn it in person. You lose out on the, yeah, you yeah, lose the, out. Right. I, uh, I think, you know, it's great that you brought up the social uh, interaction and the intelligence aspect uh, because uh, for me, you know, with the with the pandemic, you know, a lot of the events started becoming online. Even work uh, sort of became online. Um, and uh, you definitely get engagement when um, you are having these meetings and conversations online, but uh, those coffee cooler uh, conversations uh, that uh, happen, um, uh, uh, you know, while getting water or, you know, uh, doing a lunch, um, those conversations sort of uh, go away and uh, uh, you miss out on the daily chit chat uh, with, uh, uh, you know, being uh, isolated yourself. And uh, it uh, becomes a, a big aspect of um, your own sort of well-being um, too. So, um, you know, you, you did mention a little bit about insomnia. So, I mean, like... Uh, I don't know. This is something that people usually don't, you know, talk too much about. Like, can you, like, you know, talk a little bit about, like, what your experience has been and, like, you know, what is an expected normal, you know, in terms of sleep and, you know, not being able to sleep. So, yeah. So, I have comorbidities. I have ap sleep apnea and PTSD. Mm -hmm. So, you said what is normal or what is abnormal? I, 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 I wanted to understand because, you know, uh, there is so much definition of uh, sleep, uh, ne needing sleep for about six hours a night or, you know, seven hours a night. And I don't know what is the normal. Um, and oh, that's okay. why. Yeah. yeah so. The, so. The normal as defined by my cognitive behavioral therapist insomnia registered nurse mm -hmm. 
not waking up more than once per night. Mm -hmm. And it also has to be... Uh, so it, you have insomnia if it's a persistent recurrent problem for more than a month, right? Okay. And it's not just a seasonal mm -hmm. issue. You are um, waking up more than once a night. You're having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep. Mm -hmm. uh, you... I mean, eight hours, I think, is enough sleep. Mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. about right. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to look at the data over a period of, mo of mo a month to make any sort of conclusion. Okay. That's how you know whether you fall in the insomnia category or not. Okay. Interesting. Basically, yeah. Interesting. Um... But it's better to go to a sleep clinic mm -hmm. to get an official diagnosis because... All of these things, um, you have to be treated by a phys a physician mm -hmm. and a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. Self treatment is uh, on it from my experience because it's a lifelong problem. Mm -hmm. Self treatment is very hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have uh to spend probably three years before my insomnia became. Uh, in remission. Mm -hmm. So if you have an issue, I would recommend going to a sleep clinic to get a diagnosis and treatment. Mm -hmm. But that's just my advice. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I, I have struggled to understand it myself, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, you know, there, there are times where, you know, you are anxious about something and, you know, you, you're not able to sleep. And there are some times where, you know, it could be something that's happening in your body and that is sort of yeah. triggering, uh, you know, these problems as well. So uh, I think part of the problem that I notice is people don't talk about it enough to understand or people don't research it enough to understand, you know, what it means that you are having certain symptoms and, uh, um, creating more awareness around it um, and uh, being able to understand what you can do if you are facing certain problems um, is very helpful and insightful. So thank you for uh, sharing that, uh, Christopher. So, you know, it's it's been a great conversation. You know, if there were a few things that, you know, you wanted people to take away from this conversation, what would they be? Um, you are more than your mental health diagnoses mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, uh, never underestimate the importance of incremental improvements mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the celebrating your wins as mm -hmm. much as you can. Mm -hmm. And then also try to get help as soon as possible rather than later. It will pay back dividends later on. Yeah. Um, it's better to work on it when there is little or no problems than mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when there's so many, because those problems compound over time. And then mm -hmm. mental health problems, by the way, lead to physical health problems. Definitely. I can tell you yeah. that for sure. So. Mm -hmm. 
oh my god yeah i mean like that was such great advice i mean uh thank you again you know for highlighting these and uh here is hoping more people uh get inspired uh by you and uh start taking care of themselves and reaching out for help uh as soon as they need it so <laughs> so thank you thank you for inviting me pleasure speaking